We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. He's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him Gandalf because like he's never early or late. He's always <laughs> at the right time. And my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again. I'm here to stay. Hello and welcome to the Uncontested podcast, where we cover the NBA, OKC Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I am the Thunder Mob, Jacob Niffin. Today, I am joined by Taylor Peterson. What's up? And we also have Justin Peabody here with us today. Forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. We have my goal to bring Outcast reference every pod. Dude, so we're all aware. (laughs) I love Outcast. So good. Speaker Box, such a the album is called Speaker Box. Yeah, yeah? such a good album. Yeah, such a good album. Um, We have some basketball to break down, boys. Thunder played two games this past week. Uh, A lot of stuff going on around the NBA. Uh, We're gonna have a pop culture minute today. It's gonna be pretty fun. Um. Let's just jump right on in. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Justin, who's going to host the Thunder section. So, Justin, go for it. Well, let's start off. Like you said, we had uh, two games last week. Uh, The first one was not as exciting. Uh, OKC loses to Boston 101-95. What'd you get from that one, Jacob? That one was incredibly frustrating. Um, Very. So, I I think that game was my fault, too, because I watched the first half of that game at the gym. (laughs) And like the Thunder were just killing it. And then I went home for the second half and got comfortable. And then the Thunder stopped killing it. Um, first half, the defense looked great. They had Boston scrambling. Boston did miss a lot of shots. 
but they only took 11 threes in the first half. And Boston's game is to shoot threes. Like the Thunder yep. defensive philosophy that game was to trap pick and roll ball handlers, force the ball into the lane and make Boston either shoot contested twos or shoot over long arms in the paint. And for the first half, that worked perfectly. Um, third quarter, Boston catches fire, especially Al Horford uh, hit back-to-back-to-back walk-in uh, in transition three-pointers. Yeah, and Morris. Yeah, they they just caught fire in that third quarter. Um, it was like deja vu. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah, from last literally. year. Uh, score was really close as well to last year's score. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thunder settled in in the fourth, uh, made it a competitive game, but down the stretch the offense uh, just failed them, and then they had to try to take like home run shots in yep. the, that final two minutes to get back into it, uh, and they end up losing. Thunder Twitter was out for blood that night. Wanted Billy Donovan's head. <laughs> I was gonna say Billy's head. Yeah, yeah they they wanted Billy's Whew. head. Uh, both of them probably too, I can't on lie. a platter. <laughs> um, I uh, I I kind of went on the uh, on the defensive and and tried to back Billy in that game. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a game that Thunder should have won. They they played well enough especially in the first half, to win it. Um, but defensive lapses, I think, in the third quarter is what really did him in. Yep. I would even yeah, argue I... that the defense wasn't even so, – sorry, uh, Justin, but no, uh, <laughs> I, I would even argue that the first half defense wasn't even stellar by any means. I mean, sure, they they got up in Boston's grill, I guess for lack of better terms, and played some solid defense at the beginning. But overall, Boston was getting open shots. They were just missing. And yeah. uh, there were tons of tweets out there from anywhere from Royce and Brett Dawson to, you know, to the most casual Thunder fan saying, okay, well, Celtics are going to eventually start hitting these. Um, you know, this was a lot like last year. And then all of a sudden, you know, around halftime and all of a sudden the third quarter happens and we're just like, you know, it like, like Justin said, it's like deja vu. So yeah. uh, I'm not even sure the defense was that great to begin with. My thing with the defense was, and the reason I said it played, they, I thought they played decent uh, to start the game. Was yeah um, no I, I I would agree with that I, I I feel like like people missing shots um, sometimes is a result of defense sometimes it's just a result of people missing shots but and I think Billy Donovan has talked about this before like if your option is like to have a team shoot thirty percent from three on like forty attempts. Or shoot forty percent from three on like twenty attempts. Um, he he wants them to limit the amount of shots that the other team takes from three because that means they don't feel yep. comfortable in those shots because the the defense is closing out. And so I thought True. I thought Boston only getting eleven shots from three in the first half was like really really good for the the Thunder defense because they were forcing shots like you know non paint twos. Uh, Boston yep. took a lot of non-paint twos that first half, but then in the in the third quarter alone, Boston made like nine threes. You know, so yep. that they, they, they got more more open shots in that in that second half, more looks from three. Where I thought kind of the game plan was to just get them off that three-point line altogether, and so I, I think they executed that game plan um, well in the first half. Uh, they slipped up in the second. That's a good point. And yep. even then, it wasn't even like their best three pointers that really got go- three point shooters that really got going. Uh, outside of Al Horford, who obviously is is a really can can be a really good three point shooter, but like we said, it was Horford and it was Morris um, who really lit us up. It's crazy. Yeah, I think the thing that frustrated me the most about 
that game was the Thunder's offense uh, down the stretch. You know, they reverted yep. to a lot of their bad habits. Um, you know, we took a look at some of these stats. When OKC was up nine with four minutes and 22 seconds left, still in good position to win that game, uh, from that point on to the end of the game, the Thunder took seven threes, two 20-foot twos, and one paint two, and they missed all 10 of those shots. So That's not crazy. great shot selection. You know, they're trying to to chuck themselves back into it, basically, um, which we saw them do time and time again last season. You hoped that, you know, that's something they could have learned from, worked on in the offseason, put together a better game plan. But when when their back was against the wall, they kind of reverted to those to those old habits. And then, like you guys were talking about on the defensive end, uh, from that same point in the game, uh, Thunder up nine, 422 left. Yep. Six of Boston's next eight points came from the free throw line. So yep. all of a sudden, you've played lazy defense, you've fouled the Celtics, you've sent them to the line, and they've got eight points like that while OKC went cold, and all of a sudden it's a one-point game. So the combination of bad shot selection and bad defense really put the Thunder in a bind and totally changed the game and put all the momentum in Boston's favor. So those are the kind of things that um, you know we didn't have to experience against the Suns, thankfully, but... Uh, you hope the next time the Thunder find themselves in a close game, they can execute down the stretch a little better than that. Yeah, definitely. I thought um, Boston That's got the, Boston got in the bonus really early in that fourth quarter because I think Schroeder had three fouls, um, like three fouls in the quarter. Five, right? Yeah, yeah Schroeder fouled up. like three times in the fourth quarter before it hit like the nine minute mark. Like yep. he, he he fouled multiple times and it put Boston into the bonus early, and then so um, like any foul non-shooting foul just like it resulted in free throws and Boston's a good free throw shooting team and yeah so I'm with you Justin like that that really hurt the thunder um because they were trying to be physical and the the game was was called uh, I, I guess according to the way the the rules say the game should be called now uh but right. that those that those fouls in the fourth quarter I think is ultimately what did them in like i thought they they started to respond back to that third quarter push by boston but it was those third quarter fouls that kind of killed them or those fourth yep. quarter fouls sorry right and then meanwhile westbrook goes oh of seven uh with three turnovers in that last i guess that, that was throughout the entire fourth quarter but still it uh he kind of led that charge there uh, and then capped it all off with that forced three-point attempt. I even tweeted out from the account. I was like, oh, boy, can't wait for this contested Westbrook three uh, to go in and out or for him to miss, and he did, unfortunately. Um, But he took took the blame on that and came out uh, against Phoenix looking quite a bit better. So let's talk about that. So Phoenix, uh, OKC finally gets their first win of the season. Uh, They beat a Phoenix team that was down uh, Devin Booker. They were on the second night of a back-to-back, uh, and they were 1-4 and four coming into that game. <laughs> so it looked like something the Thunder should win. Um, and then they did their best to throw a wrench in it by not having Adams play, by not having Diallo. Uh, what would you see from that game, Taylor? So, yeah, you, you definitely brought the big disclaimer there. Second night of a back-to-back without their best player in Booker. Um, that made you know, me more definitely... scared about the game than uh, more confident, <laughs> if we're being yeah. honest. Me and Justin were both convinced that uh, Justin Peabody, uh, not Justin Hickey, but we were both convinced that Crawford was just going to light us up for about 50. Yep. Uh, it just felt like that. But <laughs> it's, and then especially, you know, we're, we're sitting there, um, Jacob and, and I were both at the game and we, uh, you know, we get that news right before tip off that Stephen Adams isn't going to play and it just instantly felt more 
more doom and gloom, um, which is so bad. They got off to such a bad start like that to where we had to think that way. But thankfully, that wasn't the case. Um, you mentioned Steven being out with some calf tightness. He's actually questionable for tomorrow's game against Eclipse. And then Diallo missed shoot-arounds. But apparently, Billy came out and said, you know, it, he just it's team protocol. They had to do it. Um, he's a rookie. He has to learn. But that he was super apologetic. And apparently, when Billy came back or something like that, Diallo was in the gym put, getting up shots and putting work in. So I don't see that being a, a lingering issue. Hopefully, it's not. Regardless, I think the biggest storyline of this game was Nerlens Noel. 20 points, 15 rebounds. He was everywhere. Uh, getting his hands in passing lanes, getting steals. He looked awesome. And that's so exciting. Even to the point where some Thunder fans even kind of started like, hmm. Maybe if we traded Steven Adams and we got a uh, got a Bradley Bill or a Danny Green or a, yeah, you know, people need to pump know. the brakes just a little right, bit. On yeah, that. Let's, right. uh, like, let's not drink all the cool idea. A yeah, few exactly. years ago, Hashim Tabit came in here and had like a ten and ten night. Whenever Pert couldn't go, and everyone was like, "Oh God, Hashim Tabit's like an all star." Like he's gonna be the new Shaq at seven foot. Yeah, let's two. just pump <laughs> like, the brakes a bit. Steven Adams is a really, really good player. That's why they paid him a lot of money. Like, and it's exciting that we have both Nerlens and right. Steven. Hopefully, yeah. they both can get going. One another thing, uh, another point that I want to bring that I wanted to bring up here a little later, especially in the second half, is Schroeder and, and Noel's chemistry. Um, Noel and Russ have some really good chemistry as well. But if you know Nerlens and Schroeder, the one lead, leading that second unit, that's really exciting to see, particularly when you have Russ and Steven with a similar type of chemistry in that first unit. Um, um, so that was really cool to see. Uh, Ferg looked pretty good defensively. He even had a lot more confidence in general, which I think we're going to get to here in a couple more uh, bullet points uh, after we talk about the games. But he just looked more confident out there. He even he he had a shot, a three, I believe that it looked like it went in and out um, from where I was sitting. But he he like took a dribble, took a pull up three, in and out. But he had confidence in it, and that's something we haven't seen from him in a, in a long time. Peepat looked awesome. What did he end up with? Like 15 points, I think. Um, he was. He missed his first three-point shot immediately as I think it was Noel or Grant got the rebound, kicked it back out to him. He drains the three. From there, he pretty much caught fire. He even was aggressive down low in the paint, and he played solid defense. So that was huge for us to have that off the bench. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, PG Stroke was really good. He really got going, and that's awesome uh, because, as we know, PG can be a really streaky player in these past couple games. He's really starting to find his stroke, so we hope that he can continue that. Thunder had, I mentioned the steals. They had 12 first half steals, which was a franchise record per the Thunder. And they also caused, I, I don't have the exact number of, of turnovers. I should have, but that was also a franchise record uh, and a half. Russ played off the ball a lot, which is really exciting to see. And he played really well. Him and Schroeder combined had 35 points, 14 assists, 13 rebounds, and they both only took one three-point attempt, which was huge. Um, you know, that, that's going to be really big moving yeah. forward. That opens the floor up for everybody else, and I thought they both played really well, and they're starting to learn how to play with one another, um, particularly if Russ will play off ball. I mean, I, I don't mind him taking some of those three-pointers that he's going to get, whether it's a spot-up three or whether he's you know creating a three for himself. I, I think those will be good for the team, particularly once he finds a stroke. He ended with 8 of 13, but he still needs to get the free throws going. I, I looked at the end of the game, and he only missed 3. But for whatever reason, I guess it was just because of you could just see the frustration in his face but and, and his body and his body language. But he just seems to not really have the confidence right now that he used to at the free throw line. And the free throw woes from last season continue to plague the thunder, unfortunately. But that's all I got. Uh, what about you guys? Anything else stuck out to you? I mean, I it, I was happy they won. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think, we got the win. <laughs> I, I think we'll dig a little more. We can dig a little more into this as we talk about kind of some of the 
the the bigger themes of the season that we're about to get into? Yep. Yeah, True. let's do it. They uh, they only won by seven, but it, it uh, was it we, was we, not a seven point. Was, I mean, they were up by twenty five exactly. at one point in the fourth quarter. And then uh, took everybody out. And yeah, the, uh, TLC uh, and Nader got some time. You you can <laughs> you could obviously see uh, the Thunder uh, took their foot off the gas. Um, yeah, you know it just it was it was very obvious. Um, but the, the, this win was was locked up. I thought there was a there was a play in the third quarter, back to back plays where the Thunder got back to back stops uh, that led to Russell Westbrook fast break opportunities. And yep. that stretched the game back out from like 16 to 20 or something like that. And he's and, so fast. And Phoenix <laughs> called a timeout, and I I felt like that was like the nail in the coffin. Like that was the end of the game. That's yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. The trans- transition was huge. Yep, it felt like they they yep. put that thing away about midway through the third quarter uh, to where there were there there wasn't going to be a question about it moving on. I think when the Thunder trot out those really athletic lineups, you know they're so hard to guard in transition. Uh, especially when you have, you know, when your big man is a guy like Noel. Yeah. Um, when you can get those turnovers like the Thunder were able to against the Suns, they can really utilize that transition game much more than what we've seen in the other games um, where they weren't, their defense wasn't as strong. And so in turn, that limits your uh, your transition offense. Yep. And that starting lineup that they had to jot out there yesterday was yeah. freaky athletic. Russ, Ferg, PG, Grant, and Noel. Like that's that was, yeah. that's a disgustingly long and athletic lineup. <laughs> yeah, fast, fast. Yeah. And each person has like crazy size at their position. I mean, Russ is yeah. an oversized point guard. Ferguson is a long shooting guard, although he's not thick. Paul is like what probably average size for a three. Grant is is a little bit big for a four for modern day four and and Noel's arms are just insanely long for a five. Length, athleticism, athleticism, versatility, and can't Presti shoot. Mold. Yeah, Presti <laughs> mold, yeah. man. Can't shoot. Well, let's uh, let's dive into some deeper topics here. So the first one uh, I'd like to talk about is the wing rotation. Speaking of not being able to shoot. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> We've had, had some, more, uh, some more games under our belt since the last time we talked about wing rotation. Looking at kind of uh, the main three guys at the, at the two-guard spot. Uh, break down a minute. You've got T-Ferg. He's averaging 20.8 minutes a game. You have Alex Abrinas, 20.8 minutes a game. And then you have Hamadou Diallo, 14.5 minutes a game. Uh, what have you seen so far from each of those guys uh, using those minutes, not using those minutes? Uh, what do you like? What do you not like about this rotation so far? I, I kind of like where it's at. Um, I know people have been like without with the pitchforks and the torches on Ferguson. Um, Phoenix, he had a good game. Like he missed his two threes. But he he used his athleticism. He he played good defense. He had that backdoor alley oop. Uh, he got out in transition with a little give and go with Paul George. It seemed like Ferguson was was playing more confident against Phoenix. And I mean, Phoenix will do that to you, right? They're awful. <laughs> sure, like yeah. I would have confidence out there running against Phoenix. <laughs> um, but I didn't think Ferguson played bad. Um, I continue to be impressed by Alex Abrinas, though his his defense has really been eye-opening like against boston 
Uh, I thought he played well, even when he got they Boston was like targeting him on switches onto Kyrie at the end of the game. Like it, it looked like Abrinas was a little bit on skates. Kyrie Irving yep. has the best handles in the league, though. Uh, right. But but I thought Abrinas did well to recover and contest shots. And then against Phoenix, like he was reading offensive sets. He was jumping passing lanes, getting steals, contesting shots at the rim, getting over screens. Like I'm really impressed with his defense. And if if, if he can play defense like that, um, last night he was 0 for 5. That's not going to happen very often. If he can play defense like that, he's. I, I think last night against Phoenix he had 24 minutes, and, and I think that's yep. about where he should be. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I mean, I, I get the whole confidence for Ferg thing, but th- there comes a point if Alex is playing that well, particularly on the defensive end. And like you said, Jacob, with his shooting, I mean, he's a little bit of a streaky shooter as well, but he has so much potential on, bo- on, on that end especially. Um, if he's playing that solid defense, I think you have to start him with that yep. starting unit. And he's uh, us, shown us this year he's got Ferg. the ability to, like, he spaces the floor, even if the shot's not going in. Like, people respect him. People and gravitate so, towards and him. so he's yep. got that gravity. And he's shown us this year that if someone closes out on him, he can he can attack a closeout and put the ball on the floor, he take two dribbles and get to the rim. Last night I even noticed him around midcourt. Uh, he had somebody coming up trying to guard him, and uh, he, he instead of you know picking the ball up and trying to pass it out when the defender got aggressive, he put his shoulder down, put his hand up, and was able to draw the foul. Uh, you know his ball handling just really improved. And he's gotten stronger and more confident. You're yeah, exactly I, right. I know ball handling was something he he really focused on in the off season, trying to get better at. So and and, and I think so far it shows. You know, and yep. he's yep. Uh, for a team that's uh, lacking a little bit of shooting, having probably your best shooter, best pure shooter on the team. Uh, making those strides defensively is is really promising. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think I mentioned this on last week's pod about um, the possibility of Abrina starting, and I think what we've seen in the last two games is really that jump defensively um, to where it's it's now not something where you're considering starting him just for the offensive boost and you kind of take a loss on the defensive end. I think he's shown he's more than competent. He had two steals against the Suns, which, you know, I'm not confident that he had two steals in any game last season. <laughs> True. Um, and and so we see him taking those strides, but I think you guys you guys hit on some good points too, not only on the defensive end, but on the offensive end too. You know, he's not just a spot-up shooter. Uh, he's more confident with the ball. He commands spacing on the floor. Um, and I love I love his ability to drive. I love being able to use the shot fake out beyond the perimeter and put the ball on the ground and go get an easy bucket. Um, we've seen it a little bit from him. I mean, he had some dunks last season. Yeah. He had some dunks over people, uh, some some posters. Didn't he baptize uh, DeAndre Jordan at one point? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He I forgot did. about that. I, uh, I don't know if I've ever been more erect than that day. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying that. You're like, I you ran down the stairs and were like flopping all around and – I, I remember you talking about that. I'm starting to realize I made a lot of detailed. dick jokes on this podcast. Very detailed. <laughs> uh, so let's. This is a. I think a good good transition to our next topic, which is shooting issues. Um, so we've kind of acknowledged that Abrinas is probably our best pure shooter on the floor. However, uh, he is still shooting twenty seven percent from three this Ugh. season, which is not great. Yep. Um, the Thunder only shot 29% from three against the Suns. They're still dead last in that category. 29% uh, was their best percent of any game this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's painful. so bad. Yeah. Um, and then they did shoot 50% from the floor against the Suns, but they are still last in field goal percentage at 41% overall. 
And then I think we're all aware of how bad the free throw shooting has been. Um, they are second to last. Thanks, Sacramento. Uh, <laughs> but I think, Jacob, you've got some more stats for us here. What do you have? Yeah, so everyone's a little bit worried about the shooting, talking about how the Thunder five games in need to go out and trade for a shooter. Um, but I, I so I dug around a bit, and I – I know this is going to be a lot of numbers. I don't mean for this to be like, you know, bad podcasting because it's just like kind of regurgitating some numbers. But let me throw some stuff out here real quick. Last year, the Thunder uh, took 30 and a half three point attempts per game, and they shot 35 and a half percent on 30 and a half attempts per game. Now, these stats are pre Suns game, okay? But in the first four games of this season, the Thunder were taking 34.5 attempts per game. So four more attempts, but shooting 11.5% worse, only 24% from the three-point line. Um, That's cool. For the, the one, two, three, four, five main shooters, the, the, the five guys that get the most three-point attempts on the team, uh, Paul George so far this year, 10.5 um, attempts per game from three. Uh, he's a career 37% three-point shooter. Last year, he shot 40%. This year, shooting 29%. So he's 11 percentage points down from last year, um, 8 percentage points down from his career. Okay, so Paul George isn't shooting the ball well. Next, Russ. He's a career 31% three-point shooter. Last year, he shot 30%. This year, he's taking 5.5 attempts per game, making 9% of those threes. So Russ is about... 21% below his average. Jeremy Grant, 3.3 attempts this year. He's a, a career and last year 30% three-point shooter. This year he's shooting 15%. So 15% below his average. Uh, Patterson, career 37. Last year shot 39%. Shooting 2.5 attempts per game this year at 29%. So he's 10% down. And then Abrinas at 1.3 attempts per game this year is shooting 31% compared to his last year and career average of 38. So the, the five main shooters for the Thunder are all shooting 8% or worse from their, their career average. Now, I feel like your, your career average is a good number to look at because that's kind of your baseline, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, kind of your, that's what you can expect from them. Um, you know, sometimes those numbers will dip and rise year after year. Um, but, but you're going to be in that general area and none of the Thunder players, their main shooters right now are in that general area. And so that, for me, that gives some hope, uh, from what I've watched from this team so far this year, they're generating great open looks that they're, they're hitting guys for open three pointers. The ball just is not dropping in the hoop yet. Um, but looking at those career averages and where they're where they're at right now this season, it tells me that it, it's going to come around, right? Like right. The the, well, the law the law of averages yeah. will prevail, right? Like right. math sucks, but the, but the math's going to end up working out for the Thunder <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I don't. The Thunder. Much, I'm sorry. Sorry. I, <laughs> sorry. Oh, I was going to say I don't even know who tweeted this out, but. This isn't my stat. <laughs> a little disclaimer, but I, I feel like it was like Eric Horn or somebody tweeted out uh, Jeremy Grant. I think it was Alex Abrinas, Russ, and PG all their three point percentages from last season and compared them to their season averages and talked about their slow starts last year and how I mean and you compared that the last season's averages uh, of three point shooting to their three point 
career average, and they were almost identical, uh, very similar. So, yeah, Jacob, you're exactly right. I mean, literally law of averages it says that these shots are eventually going to start falling. And we started to see that a little more against Phoenix. But at some point, I really do think they are going to start to shoot a little better. Regardless, though, I'm still not convinced it's going to be a great shooting team. But yeah, I mean, there, there's not tons nearly of, as bad. There's tons of great shooting teams out there. Um, you know, I think the Thunder can Freaking end up settling warriors. like barf. Yeah, can, can end up <laughs> settling like, you know, middle of the pack, like middle third of the league in in three point percentage. Yep. Um right now obviously they're nowhere close to that. But I, I think those shots will start to fall. Like Patrick Patterson can shoot the ball. Paul George can shoot the ball. Labrinus can shoot the ball. Um, you know, do I think Grant's gonna shoot forty percent from three this year? No. Uh, but if he can shoot like 35% from the corners and be like a 30% three-point shooter and, and Russ can get up there uh, in in the mid-30s, you know, that, that would be ideal. I just – I don't think these shooting woes will continue. I, I, I think this is the exception, not the rule. Yep, I agree. I think the, the encouraging thing that I take from this, um, in addition to what you said, you know, the Thunder have had a historically bad – uh, shooting streak to start to start the season. That's not going to continue. They're not a historically bad shooting team. They might be kind of bad, uh, but they're not historically bad, which is where they're at now. What I find comforting is when you look at their offense. So many times uh, last year and and in years before, the ball would stick. The Thunder weren't passing the ball. They weren't uh, flowing on offense. A lot of ISO ball. Um, but when you look at how they're playing this year, the ball's moving a lot more. They're getting good shots. They're just missing them. Um, NBA stats actually has a stat called potential assists. So this is when you make a pass uh, that sets up a shot. Uh, Whether or not it goes in, it tracks how many of those passes that you make. The Thunder are actually third highest in the league right now behind only the 76ers and the Warriors. Wow. um, That's a really interesting stat. 46.8 potential assists per game. The problem is... Uh, that they are fourth worst in actual assists. So they have 46.8 potential assists and only 20 actual assists. So over half of those, they're setting up good shots. They're just not making them. So if that can start to turn around, um, you look at some of the teams that are up at the top of that stat, like I mentioned, the 76ers, the Warriors, um, the Celtics are up there, the Lakers, the Jazz. That's pretty good company. And so you would hope that if the, the Thunder shot can start to fall, uh, that their offense would would start to match some of those other teams I mentioned. Bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> Can't agree more. Bang, bang. Oh, I didn't mean to hit that again, but here at third time bang, for the I charm. Like, I appreciate that. Um, that yeah, yeah that, was awesome. I, that, that that's. I I've been saying for a while now this season. Um, I'm more encouraged by that by the type of offense that's being run than discouraged by the amount of shots that aren't going in. Yep. You know, I, I, I think the, the, the shots will come. Speaking about good ball movement, though, uh, last night against Phoenix, I think it was first or second quarter, whenever the Thunder kind of run that quasi-fast break that ended up with, like, the ball bouncing around three times and ending up in a cutting Russell Westbrook's hand down the lane, and he doinked the dunk, and it went, like, to <laughs> row 10. Yeah. That was some of the sexiest ball crazy. movement I've yeah. ever seen the Thunder oh. make ever. I was on my feet before Russ even jumped. I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. This is going to be the greatest moment of my entire life. And then just I couldn't doink. get on my feet because I was in Loud City pitching a damn tent. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, after that, I think is when I tweeted, Russ is broken. Somebody please fix him. Yeah, that <laughs> dude, that that would have been such a awesome dunk, but I it was the prettiest miss basket I've ever seen. Maybe it's more impressive that he launched that son of a bitch to like row ten over the over the scores. <laughs> That's how table. much power he yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that thing that thing went flying. He took out some anger on that bad boy, that's for sure. That was uh yeah, so, that, was, that was crazy. Um, yeah. Well let's move on. Uh the next topic we have up is talking about my favorite Thunder player at the moment, Nerlens Noel. I um, love Nerlens. Nerlens. Uh, he I I I use this as my hot take on the last pod of I think he'll <laughs> end up being the sneakiest uh, acquisition of the summer, and I'd like to take this premature opportunity to pat myself on the back. <laughs> um, he Absolutely. had a great game against Phoenix. He started in place of Adams. Um, you already mentioned uh, his scoring, uh, but he also played great on defense. Um, he had four steals. He had 15 rebounds, uh, six of those offensive. He was a plus 19 for the evening. Um, and that shows what he can do in big minutes, but I think we've seen even before the Phoenix game that he, he can contribute and he is a very solid backup and a great compliment to Steven Adams. Um, unfortunately we learned today that he is also questionable, uh, for the next game along we with are Adams. cursed, cursed, but, uh, assuming he does play, uh, what have you seen from Nerlens that gets you excited and what do you hope to see from him more in the future? I love his energy. Yep. Like I think a lot of those steals in that Phoenix game uh, came directly from him just playing with a high motor and you know just getting out there and working. Um, also, he crossed the absolute dog shit out of uh, Wilson Chandler. And it was is that Wilson Chandler? Is that his name? Oh no, that's a uh, Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler, yeah. Tyson. Yeah. Tyson. He he crossed the shit out of Tyson Chandler and threw that dunk down on him, like. And that, one dunk. That was yeah, crazy. That was a beautiful move. But yeah, just his energy, man. He's got such a such a strong motor. Um, it really makes me think like I think Rick Carlisle is a great coach. I also think Rick Carlisle um, is a little bit stubborn and butts heads with people, uh, like Rondo yep. and like Nerlens. And yep. um it blows my mind that Nerlens couldn't get many minutes for Dallas last year because it, it seems like he's bought in to what the Thunder are preaching and uh he uses his his length, his athleticism, um, to to his advantage. I think maybe his most impressive stat last night was three fouls in like twenty six minutes. He's uh, that was he's, huge. He's like he had five fouls I think against Boston and nearly fouled out of the game um, in like fourteen minutes. But against Phoenix, I mean, he played the whole game and had had three fouls, which is it's really encouraging. To go along with twenty, you know. 20 points, 15 rebounds, and all the steals. Yeah, he, he was being aggressive, so only had three fouls. I agree. That's huge. I also thought uh, his pick-and-roll defense was really, really good. Um, the Thunder yep. are are having the big hedge out really far on the pick-and-roll instead of switching, uh, letting the guard catch back up, and then the, the big roll back into the paint. And I thought Nerlens was doing a great job cutting off that corner from the guards and then recovering back down to, to his man, which was a handful last night, uh, DeAndre Ayton. Who's a, who's a pretty big human being. Uh, I, th- I thought Nerlens played not only high energy defense, uh, but he hit the glass good, and um, his pick and roll defense looked looked really good. I think for the the pick and roll defense, the Thunder are running requires a lot of energy from the bigs and a lot of work from the bigs. I had to constantly hedge and recover, hedge and recover. Um, 
but Nerland played it great. Like he he yep. did really well. It was funny though. He uh, he got poked in the eye against Phoenix. I'm sure you guys saw this, and he had to yeah. had to exit the game he for went a back bit. To, yeah, and um, me. my fiance, we were at the game last night. She asked me if he was going back there to get a hot dog. It's <laughs> <laughs> so maybe my favorite NBA story of all time. That homeboy That's ate awesome. a hot dog. I still want to know what type of hot dogs he likes. Yeah, like I hope he's not eating those bar s pieces of shit. There goes a potential sponsor from Bar S. Um, (laughs) But, but, uh, like, it better be, like, all beef, like, grilled hot dog. Like, the real deal. Have you guys, do do you guys like boiled hot dogs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's weird to me. I don't like boiled hot dogs. Like, if it's not grilled and it's not all beef, like, get it out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm a brat guy. I, oh, I, I, yeah. I prefer a brat. Give me, give me a good beer brat any day. Now, there you go. now Justin, I know you live in Dallas. Um, how, how long has it been since you've been, uh, living in Oklahoma city? Oh man. Uh, like 10 years. Oh God. Okay. Hopefully. <laughs> um, so, so I still have family. There. Okay. Okay. Cool. So you've been to Fastlers? Yes. Oh yeah, okay. Fastlers. Yeah, has has pretty good brats. Uh, yeah, I'll say good things about Fastlers. Fastlers, if you want to, if you want to sponsor the uncontested podcast, um, <laughs> just holler at we'll, your boy. We'll yeah. come record. Let us know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, oh, there you we'll, go. We'll come record in Fastlers. We'll we'll bring a crowd. I love it. That might be a lie. I don't know if we can bring a crowd. All right, sorry. Back to Nerlens. <laughs> All good. Anything else uh, on Nerlens? I. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Are you are you guys are you two on the trade Stephen Adams and start Nerland's train? No. Absolutely not. If you have the, the exciting thing is having both of them yeah. and having it's, like I said it's, a, a it's been one game backup center. It's been one game. We got to pump right. the brakes a bit. Also, he's, he's you can't trade Stephen Adams because I didn't realize till today the Thunder don't even have Nerland's um, bird rights. Bird yeah. rights. Yeah. So the best they could offer him is taxpayer MLE, and then Oof. the next year they have bird rights and they can pay him. Um, but yeah, with the uh, with the minimum, they didn't get bird rights. So yeah, gotcha. Uh, it's uh, after three years you get bird rights. Is that right? Unless you trade for them. I don't know. I don't either. I can't remember. But above <laughs> pay grade, you yeah. Are, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all in on Nerlens. You know, I, I've said this before. Um, I love his energy. I love his athleticism. And I think part of the reason I'm not on board with the trading Stephen is. I love him as a compliment to Steven. I love him because they're different uh, for the same reason that I liked the Cantor Adams combo uh, is because, because they are so different. It allows you to use them in different ways. You know, what you don't want is a Steven Adams and then like a slightly worse Steven Adams on the bench. Um, And so I I love that he's a contrast of styles. He's a contrast in skill sets. And I think we got to see that on full display against the Suns. Definitely. I totally agree with you. So moving on uh, from Nerlens, from uh, everybody's favorite player to everybody's second favorite player, Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> um, so T-Ferg, you know, I think you hit on this earlier, Jacob. I think he's progressing. Um, I thought I honestly thought he played pretty well against the Warriors. Um, after that, not so much. Um, but recently, especially against Phoenix, I thought he looked pretty good. He looked more comfortable. Um, he didn't seem as timid on offense. He was three of six shooting was O of two from the three point line, but he looks confident. I think, you know, we hit on this earlier too. Even his missed shots seemed a little more confident than they have in the past. Yep. Um, and then on the yep. defensive end, he looked solid. Um, he's obviously never going to be Andre Robertson, but 
he held his own out there. And I think he, you know, he, he's done a good job of kind of responding to the criticism. And, uh, I think he's, he's done, he's done enough to kind of carry his own and, and push back against the backlash that he's received, uh, mostly on Twitter. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, deleted all social thoughts? media. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Man. Um, so can you guys, guys remember, can you guys remember when you were 20? Like, can you imagine that many people shitting on you on the internet when you were 20? I'm 23, like, so yes. That would have that would have absolutely destroyed my confidence, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. So I don't blame him for, for deleting the social media. Um, and I'm glad he's bounced back, you know? Like, I, I'm rooting for the guy, you know? Like, a bunch of people are like, I, oh, Ferguson sucks, trade his ass, I hate him, blah, blah. Like, he, he's, he's 20 a, years he's old. He's a 20-year-old hyper-athlete. Like, untapped the, the, the... the the best thing the Thunder can do is like encourage him and like keep him developing. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think he got some confidence back. He had a nice transition play, uh, that yep. backdoor alley-oop he got from Schroeder where he got his head up to the rim and threw it down. Like plays like that kind of get you going they a build bit, right? Confidence. It, it, get, yeah. yeah get your swag back a bit. And I, I think that's where he's and at. I think now. we saw that, you know, the rest of the game. Like, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this in my recap, but even his pull up uh, three pointers that he had, he took confidence and, you know, he wasn't yeah, just was, hanging his head. There wasn't he hesitation with it. You know, right. one of them was like and a transition, like he caught and walked into it and fired it. And like, yep. it, he, he didn't think about passing it. He, it's like, he didn't think about like this is going to miss. He just stepped in and launched the three. And that's exactly what you want, you know, because if you overthink those things, like shooting is as mental as it is physical, you know, 100%. and if you think and about I that, you're going to screw it up. So. Problem, almost as more than anything else, but that's a completely different topic. Sorry, yeah. but you're just, just to validate that point. <laughs> yep. So I, I, I'm glad for Ferg. I hope he keeps progressing. Um, kind of, kind of off topic, but I think same thing, like they're going to need Ferg this year. I know a lot of people are high on Diallo, and I mentioned this uh, on Twitter the other day. Big but, ham. But Diallo is playing great right now, but Diallo is probably the last thing on an opposing team's scouting report for the Thunder. Right? He, yeah. They don't know what to expect from Hamadou Diallo, and he comes in with his athleticism and with his high motor and makes stuff happen. Um, we saw this with Cameron Payne. We saw this with, um, oh, God, I just went blank. Who was the weirdo that had the snakes and smoked a bunch of weed and he's now bowling? <laughs> oh, Mitch McGarry? Mitch McGarry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that dude's weird. Um, he is weird. But we saw it with Mitch McGarry. Like, it's a good point. R- they rookies, come in with that burst. Yeah, rookies have these bursts because you don't know what to expect from them. If Diallo continues to get 15 to 20 minutes a night and makes an impact, teams are going to start adding him a little bit more to the scouting report. Second unit, look out for this guy. This is what he does. This is what he struggles with. Like, for Cameron Payne, it was as soon as people started sitting on that left hand, he was done. I was going to say, can it go? Yep. He couldn't go right. They sat yep. on that left hand, and he was done. And so, Speaking of campaign, uh, just unrelated, or kind of related, I guess. He He's actually been doing a little little better yeah. for yeah, Chicago recently. Chicago won it's that crazy. trade. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Um, but, um, you know, so I, I think there's going to be a point here coming up pretty soon where Diallo is going to plateau a bit because people are going to start focusing on him a little bit more. Um, and so you're going to need production from Ferguson as well. And so I, I think it's a really good sign that he's continuing to move forward. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, Ferguson, like you said, he's 20 years old. 
uh, he's got a lot of development left to do. I think the thing uh, that was is, is still tough for me is seeing him out there in the starting role, knowing that he uh, knowing that he's got all that progression to do. I'd love to see him do it in a bench role. Let Abrina start. He can still get minutes coming off the bench. Um, but, but I think I think he's he gets some unfair criticism by being in that starting role. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see him continue to get minutes, continue to develop, but I wouldn't mind if he did that from a bench role with somebody like Abrinas starting until Robertson comes back. For sure. And you know, when, when he starts, like you also don't need to expect a lot offensively from him because you have Russ out there, you have Paul George out there, you have Steven Adams up there, like offensively, the plan is for those guys to eat up a lot of shots. So, you know, you want Ferguson to be able to hit his shots, but at the same time, like, it's hard to get a rhythm uh, whenever you're literally, like, the fourth or the fifth option, like the last option on yeah. the court, you know? Right. It, it, it's, a, it's a balance and a rhythm thing. 100%. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that uh, another guy is Patterson coming Patrick off the bench. Patrick Patterson. He, I think he's he's finding that rhythm as well and has really kind of flourished these past couple of games coming off the bench and has looked quite a bit better and really has created a spark for us, which I think is really exciting. Starting that second half of the Boston game and then throughout all – I mean, he had 17 points against against Phoenix in his first dunk in a Thunder uniform. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he came in and that's hit, a crazy hit two one. big threes. Crazy stuff. Yeah, missed his first one and then hit the next two like they were nothing. Uh, missed his last two, shot two of five. That's 40%. That's what you want from him. Um, but I, I think even more impressive for me for Patterson was that he did hit the two threes, but he had some dribble drive game. He had some stuff going to the rim, which looked good. And yeah. we haven't seen that from him before. You know, he, he's typically solely a stretch guy, but we saw him get down there and muck it up a bit and hit like a little, uh, like a little baby hook and a, and a running layup and stuff like that. And that's, you know, just making him more versatile. Yeah, Absolutely. It speaking has a, of uh, huge spark off our bench. Speaking of that, <laughs> 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 speaking sorry, of I'm, that, I'm uh, lineups. <laughs> two pack coming off the bench because uh, Jeremy Grant's been the starter of the last two games. Uh, you know, Billy came out and said uh, against Boston, he did it for for matchup purposes to to match up with the Celtics better. But then we saw it again against uh, Phoenix. Do you guys think this is something that we'll continue to see, or is it purely, as Billy says, a, a matchup thing? So according to Brett Dawson, I don't know if he tweeted this out or maybe he like replied to it in his uh, athletic uh, question answer thing he did earlier today. But he said kind of the rumor around camp right now is that uh, Billy sat down with Patrick, let him know what was going on. Patrick was a super cool team player uh, about it all and uh, felt that he could really contribute off this bench role and obviously still get a lot of a grind with the starters anyways and that this is kind of the, the plan moving forward. So we'll see, but based off you know, the Phoenix game especially, it, it doesn't seem to be – like I get if it was just lineup base and he's used it against Boston because you want Grant out there guarding like uh, Jason Tatum or somebody like that but because he's, he's much more versatile out there uh, defensively. But uh, then he started him against Phoenix too, and I think that's something we can expect moving forward, at least for the short term. Interesting. I hadn't seen that yet. Um, I think both players so far in these flip-flopped roles uh, have been more successful. Yeah, I agree. You know, so I, I think having Grant in there to start the game just makes that that starting lineup super athletic and very switchy and good on defense. Um, and then Patterson has has looked a lot more comfortable coming off that bench. So 
um, as of right now, it's uh, it's working, and I don't think you can really complain about it right now. So I w- I would keep rolling it until uh, it doesn't work anymore, you know. And then maybe if you have to look at making a change there, then you can look at making a change. But I think uh, I think it looks good so far. I agree, totally. So that well, starting lineup is currently a plus minus three point five uh, or a plus three point five, and they've but they've only played seven point five minutes a game together. So I guess that makes sense. They just started it. Uh, I'm just going through uh, NBA stats right now, looking at all the different lineups. Currently, the the lineup that's gotten the most time, and this makes sense because Russ, Russ's injury, uh, that's Paul George, Patrick Patterson, Schroeder, Adams, and Ferg. So basically the starting lineup the that we started the season five, with. Yeah. 13.4 minutes a game, and there are minus two. I, uh, I'm, I think I tweeted this the other night, and um, I still think this is a possibility. I'm – Looking forward to, uh, I th- I think there might be some games where they're going to like have a closing lineup of like Schroeder, Russ, Abrinas, PG, and then insert big, whether it be Grant yeah. or Adams yep. or Noel. Um, that's a that's a lineup that's got some shooting, some ball handlers, some defense. I, that might be on both ends of the of the ball, maybe like their most versatile lineup they can throw out there as far as just being able to do multiple things on both ends of the court. I agree. Yep. That's a really good point. So similar to that, uh, you know, something we've seen recently, especially now that Russ is back, and we saw it a lot in the Phoenix game, is Russ playing off ball. Uh, we talked a little bit on the last pod about Russ and Schroeder playing together and kind of the dynamic of that and how we see that working. Um, and, and we saw it a lot against Phoenix, seeing Russell off the ball. I think, you know, he's he had some good uh, spot-up shots. Uh, which is not his normal way of coming about uh, getting baskets, but I think it was beneficial for him. Uh, do you think we'll see more of that moving forward? And what's your take on its success? I hope we see more of it moving forward. Um, I think that opens up the defense or opens, sorry, opens up the offense a lot more. Russell Westbrook, regardless if he has the ball or not, draws so much attention from a defense that yeah. I think if the ball is in Schroeder's hands, the defense has to pay attention to the ball, but you're also worried about what Russ is doing. So if Russ can be off ball and not just sitting there with his hands on his knees in the corner, but like make a cut here um, or flare out there, um, it makes the defense have to focus on so many different things that it's going to open up the offense a whole lot. You know, I think a lot of people believe you cut to get a pass going to the rim. Sometimes you just cut it just opens to, up the floor to, to draw attention to to open up something somewhere else. You know, a, if Schroeder has the ball and Russ cuts, um, that probably opens up like a Paul George three. You know, and so I think once they start to get a little more rhythm playing off of one another, it's going to really open up that offense a whole lot. If Russ is willing to play without the ball in his hands. And, but still be that cutting like downhill attacker um, and then also take some spot up threes. I think it's right. going to open up this offense and uh, it's going to make it make it work really, really well. I'm I'm really excited about that aspect. Well, and even in transition, uh, there was a couple of times where you look up and next thing you know, Russ is already down the floor 
receiving a pass yep. from Shooter and going up for the layup where we've we've honestly never have seen that before because Russ is always getting the ball. Typically, he's getting the the defensive rebound, right? Yeah. Uh, he quote unquote steals rebounds from his players, but sometimes it's true because that's part of their scheme, just for him to get the ball, put, push it out in transition. Now you have a guy like Shooter who can do that and Russ starting to take advantage of that and, and learn how to, to play off ball in that regard also. So I, I'm with you. Um, and I agree. I'm, I'm also looking forward to see him start to uh, get a stroke back and maybe start to hit some of those three-pointers again. Yep. Absolutely. Well, um, predictions? Should we move to predictions? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. Tell everybody so, about how right I was last week. Last Hair week. Flip. Uh, last week, Taylor it was pretty easy. Got it right. That. Uh, he, you know, he took the easy road. He I said we go one and one, and that was correct. Uh, Kamiar, he said, uh, oh and two. Uh, he was, he was feeling pretty down after the loss to the Kings. Uh, so he takes, uh, minus one in that regard. I said one and one, though technically I said we'd beat the, the Celtics <laughs> lose, uh, Wow, I'm blanking. Lose to the Suns, Suns. Uh, but that didn't happen. And then Jacob, he was our sunshine pumper. Uh, he said 2-0. That obviously did not happen. So he's also sitting at minus one. Uh, coming up this week, uh, we've got the Clippers at home on Tuesday, uh, at the Hornets on Thursday, and at the uh, awful, awful Wizards on Friday. So what do you guys think? How's the record going to shake out this week? Taylor, I'll let you go first. Whew. Like on paper, this this team should be, should beat all three of these teams and be three and zero. But there's so much of me that wants to say two and one right now, particularly with that back to back Thursday night against Charlotte, Friday night against Washington. I could totally see where we just come out and poop the bed uh, against Washington on Friday. But they're so bad, so I'm I'll, I'll go three and zero. I'll be hey three and zero. <laughs> they should be three and zero. We'll see. I am following suit. I'm going three and zero. My heart says three and zero, but my head yeah. knows better. And I'm gonna that, say that's two fair. That is uh, that's me. But I I think this team has enough to beat the Hornets, uh, especially to beat the Wizards, even on the second night of a back to back. The one that honestly worries me is the Clippers. Same, yeah. especially um, because Adams and and Nerlens are yeah. questionable. Like, that's a good point. Boban's going to have 50 and 50. That's exactly. a good point. Um, so that makes me nervous. And, you know, the Clippers, they've beaten the Rockets twice already this season. And it's not far-fetched to see them beating the Thunder twice as well, even early on in the season. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna go two and one. There you go. That's fair. That is fair. I kind of forgot about the Nerland's questionability, the ankle sprain, and obviously Steven's calf. That's, that's a good point. Yep. All right, you guys want to move on to uh, Around the Association? Let's do it. All right, hold on. Here's the sounder. I love this sounder. <laughs> so good. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. That with That's the high pitched so part just cracks oh my gosh. me up. Oh my god! I just thought of something. Okay, so I was on Twitter like right before we got on the podcast, and 
I should know this. This is bad podcasting, but there's some team that played tonight and listeners, you can help us out here. Um, but every time it was like, they're like local broadcast, so like our equipment of like Fox sports or no, no, maybe it was their, their guy in the arena. I think it was their guy in the arena. Anytime somebody, the other team messed up, they played the quiet laugh like that. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's incredible. Gosh, the thunder would never was, do that, but God, I wish they yeah. would. Oh, it's, it was really, really funny. There was a video and everything. So I'll, I'll go and try and find it later. But Basically, since we podcasted last week, last Sunday, um, there aren't a ton more different storylines. Um, particularly, we wanted to really focus on the Thunder uh, this podcast, so I want to keep these kind of brief. But one big one that's kind of developed further since then is this whole Jimmy Butler scenario, um, story, whatever you want to call it at this point. Woj came out with uh, Zach Lowe, and they reported that Houston is – offering four first rounders plus, you know, players to make that salary work in exchange for Jimmy Butler. Apparently the wolves are still against that. The rumor is that they're wanting Gordon and PJ Tucker, uh, with some additional, you know, some of those first rounders where Houston's like, no, we'll give you this four first rounders. But then Zach Lowe came out, he tweeted this. And I was also listening to the low post today uh, at the gym with Woj. And they mentioned the date of October 31st, which is significant because that is when Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris can both be traded, uh, that they Houston received them in that trade the summer, uh, with the Suns, where they trained, trade Ryan Anderson, October 31st is the date that those two can be traded again. They could, their idea or their ideal situation would be to trade those two to match salary for Jimmy and then give the Bulls, or sorry, the Bulls, the Timber Bulls, uh, Timber Wolves, <laughs> four first rounders. Um, it's not like do we don't have like that? recent What's, history that tells us that trading four right? first round picks isn't a good idea. You know, cough, Brooklyn, cough, cough. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's yeah, my just thing, look at uh, like, Celtics and Sixers right now. I understand Houston <laughs> thinks like the window is open, you know, and, and they got to go for it. But they have Chris Paul on what three more a three year deal? Is that right? Who can't seem to stay healthy? I mean, yeah, I guess technically like, he wasn't hurt. This can you season, imagine paying Chris Paul like thirty five million dollars when he's what thirty seven? Like, yeah, that's scary. You trade these four first round picks, I, you. You have to do that knowing that Jimmy Butler is signing the the full five year extension, right? Like right. You have to. Exactly. Um, but, but then you have Carmelo Anthony in the locker room. Yeah. His ego with potential conflict. Jim Jimmy has injury issues, you know. Um gosh. this this basically this Houston offer is sacrificing a lot of your future for this year and next year. You know? Because I, s- I mean you're that you can't trade back-to-back years of first-round picks. So these would be 2019, 21, 23, and 25. Like Goodness. the 2025 <laughs> draft, the kids that will be in that draft are like 6th <laughs> and 7th graders right now. That's crazy. You know, so that's, yeah, it's it's insane. Um, yeah, they're 6th graders right now because in 7 years they'll be done with their first year of college. So you're, you're trading the draft rights to a 6-year-old. Like... Houston might be shit in five years, and that pick, like if it doesn't have yep. protections on it, that can be like a high lottery pick, you know? Yeah, could be a, a future star. I mean, particularly with these new roles of, you know, possibly not having to do the right. one and done. And, yeah, is, is, um, is Harden even in the league at 2025? If he is, he's he's like a more of a role player. Yeah, you know? like, you know, it's, um, it's a completely different then, team at that point. What about the immediate future? Because 
as of this season, Jimmy Butler, adding Jimmy Butler to the Houston Rockets still does not beat the Golden State Warriors, particularly with how they've been playing, which we'll get to. Oh. But I guess I guess they're just banking on the fact that they think KD's leaving or, or Clay or yep. Draymond, one of them's going to be leaving. And then if one of them leaves, that would give them the potential with Jimmy to win a championship next season. I'm That's... Ugh. I, I would I'd be very upset if if Presti was offering four first round picks for Jimmy Butler right now. Same. Same. Very unpresty like. I think yeah. I think you guys hit on it. It's you know, it's so risky. Uh you know, Butler is a great player. He he had a great game uh for Minnesota actually tonight. Um he he dropped thirty two on the Lakers, including uh calling the his game own winner down the stretch, pulling right over Rondo. Rondo. Oh yeah! Bang bang! Uh, <laughs> I if Rondo spit on him. But, yeah, I just can't see. I I can't bring myself to to justify giving away that much future talent um, for something that's so uncertain. Uh, I think you would hope that Jimmy Butler would be enough to to put you in into that serious contention. Um, but the Rockets, you know, they have a number of issues right now that I think they're still trying to figure out. Uh, with losing those guys from last season, like Ariza. Uh, but I just, you know, if I'm a Rockets fan, uh, yes, I want to I wanna capitalize on this window, but if you do this trade, you're, you're essentially, um, you know, you're trading the next three years of excitement for, you know, another decade of mediocrity. And yep. I just don't know if, if that's what I really would want as a, as a fan. Yep, totally agree, agree with you on that. Totally agree with you on that. It's a, it's a risky proposition. Now, I I know that Woj also reported that Miami is still very much like interested in Jimmy Butler and a team that's yeah. like a little outside looking in on that situation uh, right now is Philly. Yep. Philly's still interested in, in... Particularly kind of with your rough start and trying yep. to still integrate because, Markel. Yeah, and Philly lost, Philly lost some, some depth off that team from last year. Um, you know, and, and Miami... I think Jimmy Butler would thrive in that Miami culture. So it's interesting. Uh it I, I think it'll it'll come to a head at some point. Um now Well Oj said he would be surprised on uh, the low post today, he said he would be surprised if Jimmy Butler's still with this team come Thanksgiving. Hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Interesting. So maybe even to, sooner than we thought. Yeah, I need to I need to listen to that. But uh, interesting, yeah. I was gonna say I know players that signed new contracts this summer can't be traded until December 15th. So I, I, I kind of had that date circled as a, as a possible, um, That's a good J- point. Jimmy gets dealt shortly after that because the, I think like right now, like 40% of the league cannot be traded. And so that, that December 15th date really opens up a lot of opportunities for people. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So the whole point of tra- trading for Jimmy Butler, if you're a team this season, well, I shouldn't say the whole point because the Knicks and the Clippers, some teams like that, just trying to re-sign them. But if you're a team like the Rockets, we mentioned it's to compete with the Golden State Warriors, and unfortunately, they've given us no choice but to, we have to mention what they've been doing, particularly Steph and tonight Clay. Steph's been going crazy. Uh, uh, Rob Perez, World Worldwide Wob on Twitter, had a really good article on the Action, Action Network talking about Steph and. You know, everybody's wanting to say, oh, it's like 2015, you know, 2016 Steph Curry again. And Wob's whole point is, no, he never left. They try to accommodate KD. Steph's always been there. KD's comfortable. 
and Steph's still able to take over, one of the best shooters to ever do it, and KD's still able to get his as well. Well, somebody who was struggling, and let's see, I need to pull up this uh, this picture I was telling you guys about pre-pod, but some uh, crazy things happening in the league right now, or before tonight, I should say. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is, uh, of the Magic is shooting 77.8% from three, while Clay Thompson, prior to tonight, was only shooting 13.9% from three. Uh, we oh. talked about Russell Westbrook's free throw percentage. He's only shooting 57.7, obviously, and only his small sample size of two games back, but still shooting poorly. DeAndre Jordan, uh, Hacka Jordan, 86.7% from the free throw line this season. Uh, so some kind of crazy stats, but guess what? Law of averages always prevails, like we talked yep. about tonight. Clay Thompson, 52 points in 27 minutes. Jesus. Per KM Stivers on Twitter, okay, listen to this, KM Stivers on Twitter, for perspective, and Kobe's 81-point game, he had 55 points in 24 minutes, second half only. Clay had 52 in 27 minutes tonight. Oh it was God. a blowout, so they set him. So he was on on pace to match Kobe or possibly even further, which is just wild. Not to mention this is, you know, uh, this is the game after Steph went, you know, scorch earth against Brooklyn. And then whoever they played the game before that, he did the same thing. It's just, it's the, unfair. The Warriors yep. put up 150 points tonight in regulation after yep. calling they, off the dogs. I was going to say after calling off, yeah. Yep. 150 points. It's the Monstars. It's crazy. Did either of the All-Star teams score 150 points last year? <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's about what they did. Dude, score. the just Wild. the scoring in the league right now is is crazy. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like it is crazy. Like Minnesota and Los Angeles tonight both scored over 120. Milwaukee scored over 120. Both the Bulls and the Warriors 124 to 149. Uh, the Knicks That's score crazy. 115. The Kings score 123. Sacramento. Like just the, yeah. the scoring is through the roof this year. And the pace is at an all-time high, as we've talked about on our last pod, and as I'm sure our listeners have heard elsewhere as well. It's just mm -hmm. it's the, crazy. The pace is super fast this year. So I think it's kind of amplified the Thunder's offensive struggles because you see these kind of outlandish numbers from all these other teams that it just yep. makes what the Thunder are putting out there even more. Look that uh, worse. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. It's a great point. So you have maybe the hottest team in the league right now, the Warriors, but you also have the coldest Possibly right now. I mean, that's that's kind of tough because Alina isn't that great, but they've had some some bright spots in this early season. The Wizards, on the other hand, of Washington have not. They've, they've been, been struggling. Terrible. They're having a little bit of locker room tension. That game last Who night. Who would have guessed the, the locker Clippers. room tension yeah. with yeah, Dwight no Howard and one of the Morris twins John and John Wall, like and Austin Rivers. Who would have guessed we, locker room issues? Shocking. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, we need to get Jimmy on the Wizards just for the fun of it. <laughs> that ain't no problem. Huh? That ain't no problem. <laughs> uh, that'd be a blast. But uh, I think Fred had a really good tweet last night. Jimmy uh, would fist about... fight half that team. <laughs> oh, he would. He would throw down. <sighs> talk about oh the scrimmages would just be like the Timberwolves scrimmage times twenty. But Fred Katz, you know, he's covering the Wizards right now for the Athletic. Until next week, when he's tweet. covering another team. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle back to OKC, but. Um, he mentioned the Wizards are going to have sore glutes <laughs> by the end of the game, and I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, he probably was referring to they're getting run out of the gym and they were getting destroyed. But that was an ass-kicking also... reference, Taylor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. What's crazy to me is they're one in five. We talk about the scoring. The Wizards are one in five, and they're still averaging 115 points a game. 
Wow. Like, you look at some of these games they've lost, the, the scores they put up, 104, 112, 122, 113, 112. Like, those... And they're that, still losing just, by double digits? Exactly. That's just crazy. Crazy. Yeah, scoring's out of control in the league right now. So yeah, and Washington's just, defense is just trash right now. Right, that yeah. too. Giving up 144 to the Warriors, 136 to the Clippers. That's not going to win you many games. The Clippers against the Warriors uh, Sunday night, Clippers had nine players in double figures. Wow. Nine players. That's crazy. That's insane. Like That's a lot of teams crazy. don't even play like a nine-man rotation. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah they, they, got they, they got to pour it on them. So, they, they have issues. Um, I know there's some talk of like, is Scott Brooks' job safe? That's what I was going to mention. Uh, after, after Lou just got let go from Cleveland. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of internal struggle with that team. Uh, Scott Brooks has kind of like publicly called out Otto Porter Jr. I guess uh, Wall and Beal had some comments the other day to the media. Um, yep. It's starting to unravel. Just, yeah, just issues. They got issues. So uh, that means we trade Stephen Adams for Bradley Beal, right? Right? <laughs> right. No. Hey, he's a form. <laughs> he, he played for Billy Donovan. There you go. It's all set in place. Billy Donovan connection. I wear size eight championship rings. <laughs> the Thunder. So, uh, uh, that what what draft year did Beal come out? Because the Thunder. Oh, I hope 2013, but I don't think so. The, the that, Thunder. That would be great. Let me look it up real quick. The Thunder were really trying to get Brad Beal. They yeah. really wanted him that draft year. I forgot about that. It's a good point. Bradley Beal draft. Let's find out real quick. This is this is how podcasts <laughs> work, right? Hey, it's it's always better on the fly. I like he it. was a 2012 kid. Add some character. Went went third overall. He's a year before. Okay. Went third oh, overall. Oh, he went high. Anthony Davis, MKG, Bradley Beal, Dion Waiters, MKG. the top four. That's Dion Waiters. Goodness. And Perry Jones the third. Shout out PJ three. <laughs> yep, the Thunder tried to trade uh, picks and Perkins to move up to get Brad Beal. The next year they tried to trade. Um, pick 12 and Perkins to get up to get Victor Oladipo. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Jeremy so Lamb, 12th that, overall. All that talk uh, about around the association, one thing that's been a big thing that we talked about in the last pod was who's going to come out of the East. Obviously, Toronto looks like the best right now, but uh, Giannis is playing on a whole nother level up there competing with Anthony Davis and Steph Curry right now for – very way too early leading MVP candidates. Have you guys changed your ideas on the East champion or are we all in agreement that Toronto looks solid? I'm still going Toronto. If, if yeah. Kawhi can stay healthy. If, yeah. They're, uh, they're resting time. them a lot. But they're trying to keep Celtics, them healthy. Celtics are going to get humming again though. They're, they're going to yep. incorporate Kyrie. They're going to incorporate Gordon Hayward. They're still going to keep find a way to keep Tatum involved. Uh, I think Jalen Brown's might fall off a little bit because of that, but I, I, I think Jalen Brown might be my soon. favorite player on that team, man. I just love how about game. him? How about him for a starting shooting guard for OKC? Oh. <laughs> yes, uh, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I got, friends. Uh, Jacob, I believe there's a like video game of the year that came out this this past week. Yeah, let's do a pop culture minute here. I got a sounder for this one too. Hold on. It's over nine thousand. Winter is coming. I told you a million times, my teeth are coming in. It's called cleidocranial dysplasia. Wakanda forever! 
All right. So last Friday, the uh, the probably like like uh, like Taylor said, game of the year came out. Red Dead Redemption Two. Either of you guys played it yet? No, but I've watched a lot of videos over it. Okay. <laughs> Same. Uh, it's uh, I gotta tell you, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. So it actually came out Thursday night at Central Time at eleven. Uh, Thunder lost to the Celtics that night, and I was really sad. <laughs> And so I was like, "All right, well, it's almost Stayed 11. Up all night. I'll just I'll just play Red Dead and make myself happy." <laughs> and eleven o'clock came around, and I got on to play Red Dead. Downloaded, paused. I still needed to download fifty oh. gigs of the game. Oh, that sucks. So you didn't get to play till Friday. Thought about ending it all that night. <laughs> Thought about just uh, seeing how much bleach I could chug. <laughs> but Red Dead Redemption is out. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. It, I've played probably about seven or eight hours of it, and it is insane. Um, I'm sure people will get in our mentions after this this uh, podcast drops and talk to us about it. It's awesome. It's a great game. Um, I can't wait to to put more time into it. Um, I spend about 45 minutes customizing my horse. Um, <laughs> As you do. He's a, he's a good boy. <laughs> He's a good boy. Um, <laughs> the best of good boys. Dude, if your horse dies in that game, like, it's dead dead. Like, you can't get it back. Man. Like, you name it and everything. See, also, if you're, high if, for me. If, you're in the, if you're in, like, a warm climate and you go up into the mountains, you can watch your horse's ball sack shrink. I heard that. I'm not making that it's up. Like, like somebody like somebody drew the job insane. at Rockstar Games um, to make the physics of a shrinking nutsack so <laughs> what more could you want put it on the resume baby put it on the resume <laughs> ball awesome. sack shrinkage expert <laughs> uh no it's an awesome game um i'm really enjoying it so far i love the theme of the wild west uh, taylor actually turned me on to westworld the the tv show on hbo um Love it. Love I'm glad. I'm really glad you finished that sentence. Yeah. Loved. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You just want me to leave it at Taylor turning me on. <laughs> hey man, we here at the uncontested, we don't judge anyone's lifestyle. Okay. Um. So, my question to you guys: Let's uh, transfer the Oklahoma City Thunder players into the old Wild West, like Red Dead Redemption. Um. What what prototypical like archetype characters? Do the Thunder fit in the old Wild West? I'll I'll get us kickstarted because I have a perfect one. In every like Old West game and show and movie, there's always that one guy from Mexico who like can shoot the <laughs> shit out of people. That's Alex Abreu. That's Alex. He speaks yes. he speaks That's Spanish and he's he's a dead eye shooter. <laughs> I like yeah. That's I like that one. Okay, so you guys have any any others? So. I feel like in the the West, there's always that that character, and you never he's 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 the protagonist, and he's typically the good guy, and what he's doing is for the best. But sometimes the means he goes about it maybe isn't the most pure or the most the most Superman like. You know, uh, it's more of like uh, you know they might wear the black hat for half of the show, and then by the end of the show they're wearing the white hat or something along that nature. Uh, but they're still the protagonist. I feel like that would be Russ. Okay, I like that. I think it, maybe a good comparison would be like the Man in Black and Westworld, yep. something like a, along those those lines, like early yep. Jimmy. Okay, very good, very good. Justin, do you have any? First one that came to mind for me. This is uh, a little more specific, but you know, I I think about John Wayne and all that he embodied uh, in, in all yeah. of his films. Just 
the manliest man you could ever hope to be. And <laughs> he's not a current th- Thunder player, but I have to give a shout out to uh, Sir Nick Nicholas Collison. Collison. Oh, yes, sir. Such a good one. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's who every guy wants to be. Uh, perfect hair, charm, uh, grit. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think he's, he's got it all. Um, I'm going to take Steve, mustached Stephen Adams as the sheriff of a town. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Mustached Stephen Adams with the long hair and a cowboy hat as as a sheriff. Can you imagine him coming out with some holsters and some, <laughs> some spurs on his boots? And also, some I don't want this to be culturally <laughs> insensitive um, because, like, joking aside, like, I, I, I am, I, I think, a pretty inclusive person. But oh, Russell yeah. Westbrook yeah. also fits the mold of, like, the crazy, like, hollering, balls-out Native American. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. You know, like the, the, the <laughs> war face paint. He just leaves it all out there. Yeah, yep. coming through with, He's like, a tomahawk, like, scalping Like, people. I don't care if you guys have guns. I'm gonna, Yeah, I'm going to come in with my axe and my, yeah, and my spears, and that's, yeah. So I, uh, I'm doing a little Googling here and uh, looked up Red Dead Redemption characters. It says here, Mr. Bill Williamson was born in 1866, and at some point, Bill joined the military before being dishonorably discharged for deviancy and attempted murder in 1892. That sounds like Kevin Durant. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Had to get that in. That's funny. Uh, um, shout out Google.com. Uh, so, so let's wrap this up real quick. Do you guys have a a favorite Western style movie? Favorite Western oh, themed movie. Oh, uh, uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. 100%. Okay. True Grit. True Grit. True Grit's, True Grit's a good one. Incredible movie, um, so yeah. I don't watch a lot of Westerns. Um, so mine might be kind of cheating, um, but <laughs> I'm going Django Unchained. Yeah, that, that counts. Good one. Django Unchained is maybe, my favorite, maybe my favorite movie of all time. I'm always down for Tarantino. One, yep. Yep. Did, did you get I, we, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. You guys know Tarantino is directing the next Star Trek movie? Yes, I was going to say, I, I think, yeah. I yeah. Remember you How dope that is that? Slack. That's, That's going to be the <laughs> bloodiest Star Trek movie in the history of ever. <laughs> so I feel like it's either going to be and... amazing or... I don't know. I there's there's a part of me that's worried that they're gonna try to tame it back at all. I hope they know what they got into yeah. in getting him to do that and they let him make it full Tarantino. But For there's sure. a part of me that I hope they don't try to like yeah, try to handcuff him. Uh, exactly. do you guys ever see Hateful Eight? Yeah. Actually no, I haven't Dude, seen Hateful Eight. Hateful I, it's I a long to. movie, but it's good. Yeah. It is good. It's good. It's, I, it I, was way different than I expected. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson killed it. The line "you diabolical bitch" is <laughs> such a good line. It's such a good line. It's awesome. Okay, uh, any parting thoughts before uh, we hit the outro, boys? You want to tell them about that uh, that big podcast we have? Oh, we got a big. Po- I'll, I'll put on the the outro music for the 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 big reveal. You guys ready for this? I just love throwing my sounder buttons. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> oh, that's a little loud though. Okay, so. Be on the lookout this coming week. We have a really awesome bonus podcast coming your guys' way. Friday afternoon, I have secured an interview with the mayor of Oklahoma City, uh, Mayor David Holt. Seems like a pretty solid dude. I don't know. I guess we'll find out for sure whenever I meet him. Um, But I'm heading up to his office. We're going to talk Thunder basketball for a while on the podcast, and we'll get that uploaded as soon as possible for you guys. Should be really interesting. We're going to get kind of his view as a public official 
on on the NBA, on how it affects the city, on his fandom. Um, it should be really fun. I'm really excited about it. It's probably just going to be a one-on-one, uh, me with the mayor. Call me or Mike, join me. Um, nobody else can make it in town to, to jump on that one, though. Uh, we're also planning on starting to do a, a little mini-series of post-game podcasts. Uh, maybe one or two of us each night uh, breaking down the the Thunder game uh, immediately afterwards. So be on the lookout for those. You guys might see start seeing a lot more content from us. Those post-game podcasts will be short, uh, probably like 15 to 25 minutes per episode, uh, just breaking down the, the night's game. And we'll still do these big podcasts where we break down things uh, overall, have our Around the Association segment and everything. But we think this is a way for us to get you guys more content. So, so if you're interested in that, be on the lookout because those should start really soon. Uh, besides that, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts at. Uh, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Write us a review. That would mean a lot to us. It would help us uh, you know, get out to more people, secure some sponsorships. Uh, would be some really cool stuff. Follow these guys on Twitter. Taylor is at Taylor underscore P15. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Is that right, Justin? That's right. Awesome. I am at ThunderMob405. Make sure you also follow the podcast at the underscore uncontested. We're live tweeting every game this year, um, offering insight, analysis, overreactions, uh, jokes, et cetera, et cetera. GIFs. Yeah, we have lots of GIFs. Um, good stuff. Uh, actually, Justin's hit me with a, with a few of them and made me look like an idiot. So... <laughs> um, Thunder play the Clippers tomorrow, Tuesday night. They also have Charlotte and Washington this week. Uh, should be some good stuff. We will podcast again towards the end of the week. Hopefully we'll have some some single-game podcasts out for you guys this week. And then, again, be on the lookout for that podcast with the mayor. It should be a good one. Uh, until then, you guys take it easy. Play Dead, Red Dead Redemption and Thunder up. Thunder up. Nobody builds 5G. Like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.